Hello, and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again today. If you haven't clicked subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and you are going to want to check them out. Now, you can also follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast, and our YouTube channel will be launching next week along with our Patreon page. Yes, guys, I'm super excited. This is really, really awesome stuff, really great news. We're going to be launching our Patreon page, which is going to give you guys even more content, allow you to subscribe, and the YouTube channel, which is going to have amazing training videos and more. You'll also be able to watch all the uh, podcasts on our YouTube channel as well. All the episodes will be coming up on there, so you're going to want to check back and check it out. Guys, I'm super excited. This is the beginning of this great year. I'm sorry it's taken a little time. Uh, you know, I've been saying the YouTube channel is coming. It's coming. It's coming. We've had to work out a couple bugs, kinks, you know, technology, how it is, and uh, still working full-time job and getting this done. So I really appreciate you guys. I appreciate everybody listening, continually listening, and there's a lot of awesome growth coming for Speak a Dogcast in this next year. So really awesome, guys. So be sure you check back next week for our Patreon page launching, as well as our YouTube channel. Ah, I'm excited. But on today's episode, we're going to be talking about puppy time. Yes, it's puppy time, puppy time. It's definitely the one training area people need the most advice on because there's so much that goes into puppy training, guys. It's exhausting and a never-ending list. So we're going to talk about that. Then comes a second dog is not always the answer. Yeah, second dog's not always the answer, guys. When you have behavior problems with your first one, uh, we'll talk more about that. Then comes the first pets, followed by the listener Q&A. And if you guys have any questions for the listener Q&A, dog training related, animal training, dog behavior, you name it, keep sending them my way. You can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or message me on social media. Uh, really great stuff. I love all the questions. Keep them coming my way, guys. Now, before we get going with today's show, I have to give you that trivia question. Today's question is going to be, what is a group of frogs called? Yes, what is a group of frogs called? I'll give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's puppy time. Time for a refresher, right? Uh, you know, first of all, I have to say congratulations to my sister and my brother-in-law, Sam and Becca, and the entire family, the kids as well, because they're getting a new puppy. Yes, they're getting a Portuguese water dog, fantastic dog, great breed. And uh, the, the puppy will be coming in April. So, you know, we got a couple weeks, right? We got a couple weeks to prepare, and that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna prepare and give some puppy information. So, this segment's dedicated to you guys. Congratulations. I'm so super excited for you. Uh, it's gonna be awesome, right? But it also is not gonna be awesome. <laughs> now, my sister knows this. There was a lot of thought, a lot of research, a lot of time that went into them getting a puppy. I also wanna say thank you to them because really, guys, they did it correctly. They're doing this the right way. They've researched for months and months. They've talked with their kids about it. Uh, I know they have. I know they've gotten this. You know, They know that there's responsibility coming. They understand what's gonna go into raising this puppy. They understand it takes a village. Um, look, even they've, they've got three kids and even their youngest now, he's just getting old enough to really be able to start uh, working with the puppy a little bit. You know, that wasn't a mistake. They, that wasn't by accident that they waited a little longer, okay? So thank you guys for being responsible dog owners, uh, taking it seriously, putting in the time consideration that it takes to make a successful, happy, healthy dog. Fantastic. So let's get on with it today. Let's start talking about that puppy stuff. And where does puppy training always start? 
housebreaking, <laughs> right? It always starts with housebreaking. It's definitely the number one puppy training uh, uh, behavior, if you will. And housebreaking, guys, look, people overcomplicate it. And here's the thing about housebreaking. It's very simplistic, but it can be a painful process, okay? Some dogs do learn faster than others. And that's the thing. You can be doing everything right. You can be doing everything right and still hitting your head against a wall with a dog peeing in your house. Sometimes it's a matter of age and bladder control. Sometimes it's a matter of size. Sometimes it's just a matter of they're taking a little longer to understand. I mean, every dog is a little different. So I don't want you to be discouraged. Not every dog learns to be housebroken overnight. Uh, overnight. Some do, and that's fantastic. Uh, some of my guys have been. One of my guys, Colby Jack, he took forever to stop peeing in the house. This was years and years ago. Um, never, I think I don't think he ever had a poop accident, but the peeing, and he would pee right in front of the door we took him out at. Like he was trying so hard, but it took a while for him to actually really fully stop peeing in the house. Um, so it's one of those things, I don't want you guys to get discouraged if you feel like you're having trouble, but hey, let's start with the pointers and, and how we housebreak properly. Couple things. First thing, guys, first and foremost, when you take your puppy out, you must absolutely leash them up. Training is all about guiding and directing focus and behavior, and you completely forfeit that ability if you don't take them out on a leash. Guys, puppies have ADD, right? We all know a puppy ADD, we talk about it, they get distracted, squirrel, right? So why would I expect my dog when they don't even know to go to the bathroom? Say, why do I expect them just gonna open the door, they're gonna go and know what to do? Not gonna happen. Leash up your puppies, take them outside, guide and direct them to pee. With that said, I'll sometimes make the little figure eight or circular motion, that's why I like to leash them up, guys. It allows me to guide them and almost put them into that pee mode, pee zone. It works, okay, enough consistency, persistency. Can you say go pee? Sure, say go pee, but let's keep it short, concise. I don't want you going go pee, 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 right, I see the people who do that. Don't do that, okay, because it just goes in one ear and out the other if you say it continually over and over. I want you to say, hey, go pee. And wait, and wait. Guide them, circle, okay? If you feel like they're getting distracted after a little while, hey, try to guide them around, go pee, try again, okay? We don't wanna say it over and over, we don't want it to become kinda, of, you know, just, just distorted and they just stop listening. So it's gonna be that one go pee and give them time to try. Now, once they do go, you might wanna hold off from saying good boy or at least making too big a deal about it right away because sometimes when you say good boy, right as they start peeing, they get distracted and go, oh, I'm gonna get my treat and they stop peeing. And the whole idea is we want them to release that whole bladder. So do be careful. You can maybe go, hey, good boy, leave it at that. And then once they're done, make it a big deal. Good boy, good go pee. Okay, that's what we wanna make it a big deal once he's done. Now, the other thing, the treat, uh, a lot of people wait to give the treat once you get back inside. Uh-uh-uh. Bring the treat with you guys. You gotta have that treat with you. Look, simply put, dogs have 10 seconds. You got 10 seconds or even less to actually have your dog be able to make the connection of what just happened and what that treat means. Okay, so if you wait 30 seconds plus whatever till you get back in the house, it's not gonna work. David, it only takes me five seconds. I don't care. Bring the treat with you and the second they're done peeing, reward. Guys, timing. Timing is such an important aspect of training your dog. It's so vital. So your timing has gotta be quick and on the dot. If you can reinforce a dog, I'm talking hair split second after they do a good behavior, I can guarantee you that's going to work better than waiting seven, eight seconds to reinforce your dog. That much, that, that little difference of timing is crucial. It's everything, it's everything, guys. So the treat has to be with you. 
You have to be leashing up your dog, guiding them into that pee, one go pee, okay? One vocal cue, let them do it, all right? Reinforce after the fact, definitely make it a big deal. You know, there's nothing wrong with making it a big deal when they go pee. I often say you don't wanna make too big a deal about anything because it can get the dog crazy and overexcited. Peeing is one of my exceptions. Better than sliced bread, guys. Uh, best thing since. So <laughs> get them excited that they went pee. Not too crazy. I mean, you know, within reason. Um, but I want to reinforce it. Affection, food, all that good stuff. Okay. Now, what happens when you take your dog outside and they don't go to the bathroom, but you know they need to? Well, guess what? You're going to go back inside. You're going to keep the leash. Uh, you're going to keep them leashed up to you and you're not gonna let them out of your sight. Look, if you wanna let them drag the leash around the house and keep an eye on them, that's fine, but you absolutely cannot take your eye off of them. The second you take your eye off of your puppy, when you bring them back inside, they are going to go pee. It, it's, it, it is just the most sure thing in the world, okay? <laughs> they will find somewhere the second you are not paying attention and they will go. So you cannot let them out of your sight. Now, I can hear, David, I gotta jump in the shower. I gotta get ready for work. I can't keep an eye on my dog. Put your dog, put your puppy in the crate for 10 minutes then, guys. This is what training is about. It's about setting up these parameters and variables. Oh, what's that? You don't go to the bathroom? Cool. I can't give you freedom because you're going to go to the bathroom if I do. Okay. 10 minutes go by. I'm done with my shower. I get out. Guess what? In your towel, you're going to run outside real quick. Leash up that dog because you don't have time. I know. Uh, leash him up. Take him out. Same process. They don't go again. Guess what? You're going to be 10 minutes late to work. They come back in. Got to keep an eye on them. Put them back in the crate. Guys, this is what it takes to housebreak your dog. And most people do not want to put in the time. And that's why they have difficulty housebreaking their dogs. It really is that simple. Now, there's a couple other variables. I'll give you this. That's the actual process of housebreaking. But there are variables that contribute toward the success. Number one, feeding in and drinking. You need to know how much food and water your puppy has had at any given time. Look, I'm not really a big fan of leaving a giant bowl of water on the ground for your puppy because puppies will drink out of boredom. They will literally just, I'm bored and drink and drink and drink. I've watched a puppy drink for like 45 seconds straight and it wasn't even outside. It just, just kept drinking and then it walked away and then it came back, started drinking. Guys, they, they, they will fill their bladders to a point that they're peeing clear. They're peeing water like it's too much. They don't need that much water. It's way too much. And their little bladders can't hold it. And so inevitably, what's going to happen? So I don't want you to restrict your dog's water in a sense that you're not giving them enough. You absolutely need to be giving your dogs enough water. Depending on the size of the puppy, you know, 10 to 20 seconds at a time is usually a good rule of thumb uh, for drinking. But you got to keep an eye on them, guys. You have to know how much they're getting. And look, if your dog did just drink a ton of water, well, guess what? I, 20, 30 minutes from now, you better get your butt outside if this is a young puppy because they're going to need to pee if they just overfill their bladder. Okay, So it's understanding the intake and the output, controlling the intake and the output, um, consistency with feeding time. If you feed your puppy at 5 a.m. and 10 a.m. and 3 and it's going to be hard for your puppy to learn to hold their poop. I go for the two hour window, maybe even an hour when they're really young. Um, you know, I like to feed my dogs between like seven and 9 a.m., right? That's, 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 the, that's the goal, seven and 9 a.m. And that way when I have a puppy, they're gonna uh, have that same schedule for pooping and peeing. Now, I know I'm like 10 minutes into this segment and we're still talking about housebreaking because this is the most talked about training uh, behavior with puppies, okay? But again, in my mind, we got to keep it simple. I have to, I have to control input, uh, intake and output. I have to control when they're going outside. If they don't go outside, I have to either leash them up or put them back in their crate. And then, of course, I got to reward it when they do go outside, big time, guys. Okay. <clears throat> now, also learn your dog's schedule. Pay attention to how many dogs your time, how many uh, times in a day your puppy poops. 
I'm serious. If you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing. You'll start watching you're like, dude, this puppy poops every single day, twice before 11 a.m. And then once more, but it's always after 7 p.m. Well, guess what? That's fantastic. You now have a pattern to work off of and you know when your puppy needs to go. That's how we control and set this stuff up, guys. Poop logs, pee logs. Guys, big suggestion for the families out there. When you've got five people in the house and mom and dad are working and kids are coming and going from... It's hard to remember who was here and when the puppy was out last. So I highly recommend getting a little book, a little notebook, and keeping it by the crate. Keeping it by the front or back door wherever you take them out. Whatever's going to work best for your family, keep a log. And all it takes is writing down, David took Coco out, and that's one of my dogs, uh, at 3 p.m. and she peed but didn't poop. That's it. That's all you got to do. Just write that down. I mean, it doesn't take much. And then when someone comes home, oh, look at that. She peed two hours ago or pooped two hours, you know, didn't poop two hours ago. I know she needs. That's the point of the law, guys. It allows you to track it and really start to actually visualize these patterns. Not only visualize the patterns, know when they have and haven't gone, when someone's been home, when someone hasn't been home. It gets crazy with a lot of people in the house. I get it. So having these <laughs> got a grumbly puppy in here, having these records uh, of being able to just visualize it and see it. It makes it a lot easier. Okay, we've talked about the housebreaking. Let's let's get to some more fun stuff, right? Uh, walking, toys, all that kind of good stuff. Look, toys. Um, when it comes to your puppy and toys, you have to start to understand what their needs are, right? If you have a retriever, you have a really mouthy dog, you're going to want to be careful with the toys you get your puppy. A lot of times those retrievers will take soft toys, shred them, and eat them. Um, so this is one of those things where when you first give toys to a new puppy that you don't know, that you're not familiar with, it's important that you sit and watch how they play with the toy, okay? Because I get that. People ask me, David, what's the best toy? And I'm like, look, there is no one toy that's the best toy, right? I'll give you an idea of like, yeah, for a puppy, these toys tend to be good. But at the end of the day, it really depends on your dog, their chewing needs, their, their playing needs, their instinctual needs on what toys are going to benefit them best. Uh, we did a segment, was that last, I think that might have been last, was that last week? Now I got to look. Um, no, it was actually a couple segments ago, wasn't it? Anyway, a couple episodes ago, we did a segment on on these subscription services, these pet subscription services. And that's the amazing thing about these, like a, like a BarkBox. Go to BarkBox.com. Um, BarkBox is a great service where you can actually customize the toys to your dog's needs. Um, so that's what I recommend is, first things first, just either either go to BarkBox.com and tell them you got a new puppy, or go to the pet store, get a couple different types of toys, give them to your dog, see which ones they like, and watch them play with them. Watch how they do it and make sure they're not eating anything. Look, some dogs don't eat toys. Some dogs just don't, and that's awesome. Then you have the ability to give them whatever you want. But when it comes to puppies, I need you to be smart, guys. I need you to think about these things. Soft, rippable, shreddable toys can be dangerous to a puppy. When they're really little puppies, yeah, usually they can't get them apart. But I need you to consider these things, okay? The fluff inside, are they gonna eat the fluff? Are they gonna rip that tennis ball up and eat it? Um, these are things you gotta think about. So when it comes to puppies, the generalized toys that I go for are gonna be something like a Kong toy. I do love the Kong toys, they're great. Kong even has a subscription box as well, guys. Um, the Kong toys, obviously, we know we can fill them with, with peanut butter, with cheese. New puppy owners, got to give this disclaimer. And you know what? This kind of goes out to you, Becca, my sister, because um, it's been a while since you've had a puppy. And I mean, I don't know if uh, you know if you gave peanut butter to, um, to Griffin, your old dog. Um, but got to throw this out there, guys. Peanut butter. We always have to make this disclaimer. And it's, you know, I loved it. I just saw my veterinarian post on their Facebook the other day about this, too, always putting out this information mainstream peanut butters, guys, all of the mainstream peanut butters, well, a lot of them at least, they're using this artificial sweetener called xylitol. 
Okay, spelled with an X. It's X Y L I T O L. X Y L I T O L. Yes, xylitol. <laughs> Gotta spell that out loud there. Um, xylitol spelled with an X. It's not good stuff, guys. It can be very toxic for dogs, and this is a serious thing. Okay, especially all you puppy owners, because I know you want to fill the Kongs with peanut butter. Please check your peanut butter labels. Please double check them. Make sure they do not have xylitol in them. The easiest way to avoid xylitol and peanut butter is to make sure you buy natural peanut butter. Um, Skippy, Jif, Peter Pan, they all make a natural. It'll actually say natural on the label. Flip it around, take a look. You'll see that it's made with real sugar and not xylitol. Xylitol can literally kill dogs, guys. I'm not joking here. This is not a joking matter. Please be careful. With that said as well, kids in the house, there's candy, a lot of candies, chocolates. These things are now being, um, they're they're using this artificial sweetener, xylitol. I think it's terrible. I don't know why we can't just use sugar. Oh, because it costs too much. Yeah, well, we're going to pay the price later. Anyway, um, (laughs) okay, stay away from the xylitol. So just throwing it out there for those dog toys. There's nothing wrong with filling a Kong with peanut butter, guys. There really isn't, um, but make sure you're using that natural peanut butter, okay? Now, speaking of Kongs in the peanut butter, one little trick you may not have heard of is to take the peanut butter, put it in the Kong, throw it in the freezer and let it harden up. That way it takes a little longer for your dog to lick it out. Fun treat. That's a good one for when you put your dog in your crate, uh, in the crate and leave them. Now, so many things here, guys. It really are. The thing is, if you're going to put your dog in a crate with a toy, again, you need to know your dog's chewing habits. If your dog is going to destroy that toy, you cannot leave that toy in the crate with the dog unattended, guys. It's just not okay. Okay. So please put a head on your shoulders and please be smart about what you're leaving in your crate with your dog, all right? So Kong toys, getting back to the toys, there's a lot of great toys out there. Uh, for, for puppies that are teething, they make these really nice hard, hard rubber toys. And I think that's the one I see puppies go to the most because it almost feels like it's pushing back on their teeth, right? When you're teething, you want to feel that pushback because it feels good. Uh, at the same time, it lets their tooth sink into the hard rubber. So I think that's the toy I've seen puppies go after the most of those really hard, yet still soft, but hard rubber toys. Almost like the uh, material of a lacrosse ball. Anybody's familiar with that? A little softer than that, but um, same kind of thing. So Puppy toys, it really depends on your dog, depends on what they like, but most importantly, you just need to know your dog's chewing habits and make sure you're letting them play with their toys safely. Again, subscription boxes are a great thing because you can customize the toys to your dog's chewing needs. All right, Um, now leash work. Look, when you have a really small puppy, this is one of my exceptions to a harness, guys. I, I'll say it, you know, there are certain times a harness can be used in the car, uh, when we're latching them in, in the car, nothing wrong with a harness there. Um, when we have a dog who's who's really small, we're not ready to put a collar on them yet, sure. When I'm sledding with my dogs, which I never do, they're gonna have a harness on, or, <laughs> all right? Those are the uses for a harness, not to get your dog to stop pulling, okay? So when I'm talking like a 10-week-old, eight-week, 10-week-old puppy, we're not really working on a ton of leash work yet, sure. Put the harness on them as a safety precaution uh, to be able to keep them leashed up. But, for example, my sister's Portuguese water dog. It's going to start getting pretty big, pretty fast. Somewhat, you know what I mean. Uh, We're not talking to Newfoundland here. But it does get bigger. And by the time we do get above 10 weeks, we start getting to like 12 weeks. Well, then we can start looking at a regular nylon collar. And even at 10 weeks old, some of these small puppies, it depends on the size, the breed, a nylon collar will be a better fit at that age. Okay, so again, guys, you've seen, this is why I've said on my podcast, I'm not anti any of these tools, but what I am saying is these tools have their purpose, and most of the time, these tools are not for a grown dog. I use them for puppies. Um, But again, by 10, 12, and 13, 14 weeks for sure by then, by then, no matter what I've got, we're graduating to that martingale collar. 
Martingale collar, guys. Three-fourths nylon, one-fourth chain. Best collar on the market. It's the best because if you have it tightened correctly, your puppy cannot escape out of it. And of course, it's a natural way um, to be able to correct them. Okay, we're not getting too much into the Martingale today, but that's sort of the timeline. We start with a harness or a nylon collar when they're really young, <clears throat> and as they grow, we graduate to that Martingale collar. No runaway leashes, puppy owners, don't do it. Do not do it, do not forfeit that control. Do not get a runaway extendable leash, worst things on the planet. All you're gonna do is make your life harder to get your dog walking next to you and with you. Cause you're gonna go, David, my dog won't listen. Well, did you start on the runaway leash? Well, yeah. Is your dog pulling you down the road? Yeah, well, it's cause you started on the runaway leash. Um, <laughs> we can fix it, but you just made your life harder. Don't get it guys, six foot, nylon or leather, regular old leash, regular old leash, all right? Uh, that's what we want for our puppies and puppy training. Now, a couple other things you're gonna need to be getting, treats and treat pouches, guys. We gotta be training our dog. People think, oh, my dog's 10, eight weeks old. It can't learn to sit, it can't learn to stay. Bull crap. <laughs> yes, they can. I'm so tired of this myth that, oh, I, I think I told you guys months and months ago, I had somebody, I had a vet tell one of my clients, you shouldn't even train your dog until they're six months old. Don't even, you, you, you can't, you shouldn't. I got news for you, Mr. Dr. Veterinary, doctor. Housebreaking is training. So are you telling me I'm not supposed to housebreak my dog until six months old? This is the crap that's out there. This is a doctor, guys, who's telling people don't train your puppies. What? This is why people think puppies are not capable of learning anything because I have experts telling people now, I'm sorry, you're an expert in the medical field, not the behavioral field, mm-hmm. Okay, just like I don't claim to admit I'm a veterinarian. I am not an expert in biology or veterinary medicine. I never claim to be, and that's not what I do. And I really don't like it when veterinarians claim to be experts in behavioral fields when it's not what they do. Uh, look, that's one, th I, one reason I continually go to my vet over and over and over. I love it, he has said it to me countless times. He goes, I'm not the expert in behavior, that is not what I do, that's your field, <laughs> okay? He goes, I, I, you know, I, I keep them healthy physically, that's my job, love it. Just like I keep them healthy mentally, that's my job, all right? So, <laughs> so guys, 10 week old puppies can be learning commands, can be learning to stay, sit, lie down. They can be learning leash work at 10 weeks old. I got Riker at 11 weeks old, guys. Riker was 11 weeks old. He could walk on a leash within a week of me having him. He knew a sit, a stay, a lie down. He knew drop it, leave it. He knew a release word. He knew go crate by the time he was 13 weeks. In two weeks, I taught all this dog all these commands and how to walk on a leash. Was he perfect? No. But did he know these things? Was the training started? Absolutely. Okay? They're never too young, guys. They're always taking in information, and they are never too young to learn. So start that training from day one. Make sure you get a good quality treat pouch and, of course, some great small meaty training treats. When we are training our puppies, we want to be using meaty treats. I don't like a crunchy treat where they're gonna make a mess and get all distracted by the mess. No, I wanna be in and out. Give that puppy a treat, be done. I wanna be able to give him three treats in a row if he's being awesome. I can't do that if he's distracted by crunchies on the ground. You see what I'm saying? Uh, so treat pouch, small meaty treats for training our puppies, all right? So 
there's a lot. Like guys, I could probably do an entire hour segment on puppies. I mean, we might even have to do, you know what? I think we might even have to do that in a little while down the road. We might just commit an entire episode and you forget everything else. Forget the Q&A, forget the first pets. We're talking about puppies only. Uh, we might do that a little while down the road because I'm just scratching the surface. We've talked about crating. We've talked about housebreaking. We've talked about what tools we should be using, leashes and collars and harnesses and this and that. We've talked about what treats we should be using a little bit, right? The meaty small treats. Any guys, any training treat. Look, my favorite brand is a brand um, called Pet Botanics. Wonderful treat. I love it. I love it. I love it. I especially love their bacon treats that I use, their bacon training treats, because very few dogs want to turn their nose up at it. I turn up a bacon treat. They love them. They're great treats. They're low calorie, uh, made in the States, and I can pull them apart into small pieces. Three calorie treat, and I can get like eight treats out of one three calorie treat. It's really fantastic. Uh, so that's my favorite brand that I'm partial to. But again, small meaty treats for training, treat pouches, okay? We have to be creating our dogs. We've gotta be doing all of these wonderful things to create a wonderful puppy. My other biggest thing, one other thing we've gotta talk about today, it's behavior in general. Look, puppies are adorable and we want puppies to be adorable and we want them to be puppies and have fun and run around. And But guys, I have to give the disclaimer. Whatever behaviors you let your, your, your 16-week-old puppy, your 10-week-old puppy, whatever behaviors you let go, that's what behaviors your puppy thinks they're supposed to do. They don't know the difference between them being 20 pounds and 80 pounds. All they know is this behavior was allowed and this is what I think I'm supposed to do. So if you allow your 20-pound puppy to jump and play and go all over you and paw you and go nuts, what do you think is going to happen when that puppy is 80 or 100 pounds? It's not going to be any different to them mentally. So think about the behaviors you're reinforced. Look, guys, I want you to have fun. I want you to play with your puppies by all means. But these, these puppies turn into adults. And you have to remember, so do these behaviors. So do these learned behaviors your puppy learns. So keep in mind what you're reinforcing and what behaviors you're strengthening. You need to ask yourself, would I let an 80-pound dog do this to me? If the answer is no, don't let them do it. And even if the answer is yes, ask yourself a second question. Would I let an 80-pound dog do this to my 80-year-old grandmother? If the answer is no, don't let them do it, guys. Okay? It's better that you start controlled and then later on teach your dog they can have a little more fun or jump on you if you, if you allow it. But just all these behaviors right off the bat when you have a little puppy, just letting all of it go, it's not a good idea. It's just not. Look, it's, it's just not. It's all about what you reinforce and strengthen. And those first few months are crucial. It's crucial. So think about the behaviors you're, you're reinforcing. Think if you would let your 80 pound, or 80 pound, 80 year old grandmother, uh, think about if you would let that dog do it to her. If the answer is no, don't let them do it, guys. Right, But I hope that helps out and get you on the right track. That's kind of that basic foundational building block for puppies. We talk about leash a little, leash and collars a little bit. We're talking about crating a little bit, housebreaking, uh, treats, toys a little bit, and of course, what behaviors we want to have be acceptable. Because people ask me that all the time. Well, David, what's an acceptable behavior? Look, before we go, uh, one more thing, actually. I'm going to <laughs> what's an acceptable behavior? Guys, look, rules are arbitrary. All right, and, and I, I know, sure, like having a puppy that's absolutely nuts is not acceptable, right? Having a dog that's just nuts and jumps all over people and barks at people obviously is not acceptable. But when we talk about day-to-day -day behaviors, look, it, it's up to you on what you want to allow in your household. It's your puppy. It's your rules. I can tell you the more chaos and the more free-for-all you let your dog, your puppy do and don't expect anything from them and don't ask anything from them, it's not going to get you the best results, have expectations for your dog. 
There's nothing wrong with asking them to do something. They want to do something. They want to please you, so let them, all right? So that's kind of my, you know, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Somewhat, at the end of the day, is really up to you because it's your dog. You want to let your dog be a maniac, that's your prerogative, not mine. Uh, so I hope that helps out there. Good luck to all you puppy owners. And of course, good luck to my sister and kids and family, my brother-in-law. Guys, good luck. I'm so excited for you. It's such an exciting time. And I know you guys are going to make a great puppy. So everybody out there, stick to the advice. Good luck. And uh, I hope you have fun training your puppies. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website www.thenatureoftraining.com or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. on Speak a Dogcast, a second dog is not always the answer. Maybe should have changed the name of the segment to uh, second dog is pretty much almost always not the answer. <laughs> Look guys, it's very, very few times I recommend somebody gets a second dog before they, no, let me rephrase that. There has never been a time that I recommend somebody get a second dog without fixing the behavioral issues of their first dog, right? Kind of seems logical, uh, that you maybe want to get your first dog under control before you go out and get a second one. And I'll tell you what, what, what kind of sparked the, <laughs> what kind of sparked this segment happening. The topic for today was a TV commercial. And I, I, I honestly don't remember what it's a commercial for. I just remember seeing it going, we got it. We got to talk about that. <laughs> so in the commercial, there's a family and the family gets a dog during COVID. And the dog is so happy to be with them and they adopt it and now oh, it's wonderful and we play with the dog and everybody's happy and loving life. But then everybody goes back to work, right? COVID's over, everybody goes back to work, back to school and all of a sudden dog is home alone. And the poor puppy starts destroying and ripping up the house and shredding everything and is looking out the window, is anxious they're gone. Now, of course, guys, this is a TV commercial. The dog has been trained to do these things, which great. We're training a dog to shred and destroy things in the name of entertainment. Isn't it wonderful? Um, <laughs> David, he's a dog. Let him be a dog. Yeah. You know what? Don't, don't, don't. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be quiet because I know more about this topic than you do. And that's fine. Um, anyway, <laughs> worked in the industry. All right. So here's the thing, guys. The dog is destroying and shredding the house, right? And so the commercial keeps going, and the owners end up coming home at one point, and you see they have a big crate, this big crate. I'm going, oh, good. You know, you're thinking right at this point, oh, good, the owners are getting the dog a crate, so this dog doesn't have to feel anxious anymore, and they're going to get some training. Maybe this is a commercial for, like, a pet store or something, right? No. <laughs> they bring the crate inside, and they set it down, and they go to open the crate, and I'm going, oh, God. 
you know, here we go. I know, I know where this is going. They open the crate and out comes a second dog. And all of a sudden the dogs play and oh, everybody's happy and all their problems are solved and we can just wave a magical wand and behavioral issues just magically fix themselves, right? Wrong. Wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Now, I probably should have given the soapbox warning today. <laughs> Guys, this is why we have behavioral issues with our dogs because people think we can just wave this magic wand, throw another dog at a problem, just throw money at it, and it fixes everything. And while you're right, if you throw money at it through the tra- through training, money alone won't fix it. Training and money will fix it. Mm-hmm. You just gotta pay somebody for the information. <clears throat> So that's, that's the thing, is this commercial is saying, go get a second dog to solve all your problems. Isn't it adorable? Isn't it great? <sighs> Guys, second dogs almost always are going to double your trouble. I don't know, I, how many times I tell clients, I'm like, I, you know, I have one, one owner who's like, oh, I want to get another dog. And the fir- other owners looking at them are going, are you crazy? We got to fix this first. Like, we're not, why in the world are we going to go get a second dog when we can't even walk our first dog? Thank you, is what I say to that person. Thank you. Don't use this. Don't use your heart. Use your brain. Why in the world do you think, oh, my dog's bored? That's that's what people think. My dog's bored and lonely. No, your dog has a behavioral issue. It has separation anxiety. Solve that problem first. Then think about getting a second dog. Notice I said, notice I didn't say go get a second dog. I said, then think about getting a second dog. <laughs> Look, guys, I... I it, I'll be very honest, as a professional, I feel like majority of people out there should not have more than one dog. And I feel like even more of that, even more people shouldn't have more than two dogs. I'm not saying you shouldn't have two dogs. I'm saying most people shouldn't. Most people. Most. That doesn't mean all. That doesn't mean 99%. No, most people should not have more than one dog. Most people shouldn't have a dog, but that's a, you know... Guys, if you're not providing for your dog, I know you you may not want to hear this, but this is the cold-hearted truth. If your dog has anxiety issues, fix the anxiety issues. Hire a professional. Listen to my and 30 other podcasts. Read a book. Do something. Do something active with a training perspective to change your dog's behavior before you go out and get a second dog. Now, look, I know people go, David, it's a commercial. It's a commercial. Guys, I'm sorry, but as someone who works in psychology and works in behavior, it's not that simple. It's not just, it's a commercial. Guys, I'm not trying to be, they're dumb people out there who will see that commercial and go, oh, we should get a second dog. That'll solve all our problems. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm just being truthful. I'm just being honest. This is the problem with this stuff. Prime example, when Airbud, that movie Airbud came out in the 90s. Guys, why do you think early 90s was Airbud? Why do you think Golden Retrievers were the breed of that decade? It's not just because Goldens are the best dogs out there. (laughs) Uh, All right? That's not the only reason. The other reason is because that movie told me they're great dogs and they're so smart. I'm going to go get one. Same thing happened in, in, in past decades, too. We see pop culture, and we want to emulate it. Unfortunately, that is human nature. Unfortunately, I think. Um, you know, I'm not, look, I'm not really into, I'm not really into today's music or pop or the Hollywood sound. I, I could, like, people go, oh, don't you know this actor? I'm like, I've heard the name. I couldn't point him out of a crowd of 50 people. I, they're a person just like you and me. I don't really care. They have a skill that you and I don't have, just as I have a skill they don't have. It's, 
It's no different. Their skill happens to be acting and make them a ton more money than mine. Whoop-de-doo. Um, <laughs> sorry. You know, that's just, that's my two cents on that, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about getting a second dog. <laughs> but guys, this is just it. Like, I can't, I can't separate this anymore. It's like, unfortunately, society, pop culture, TV, entertainment, it, 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 it perpetuates this stereotype of what a dog is, and it's not what a dog is. We perpetuate this, like that commercial, it humanized the hell out of that dog that we should feel so sorry that that dog is so lonely. Guys, that dog is not lonely. It just has a behavior of separation anxiety that's been reinforced and strengthened because the people never left the dog alone and probably never taught it to be alone. See, that's just it from the psychological standpoint. I look at it and go, hey, like, no, I'm sorry, but that what that, what that commercial is trying to portray is, is a total crock. It, it's, it's tugging on your heartstrings so you'll buy their product. It's no different than in the movies and any of this stuff, guys. It's to get you to spend money to go see that movie. So they will tug at your heartstrings and your brain and use psychology to get at you, even if it's not true. And so then it just perpetuates the stereotype of a dog is a little human. My dog understands English. Look at social media. We've talked about this. My dog pushes buttons that repeat an English word and therefore they can communicate. Where does it stop, guys? Where's the line? As I always say, my job isn't to train people's dogs. My job is to change your perspective on what a dog is. And guys, as a society as a whole, we have forgotten what dogs are, and that is that they are domesticated wolves. They are animals. They're not little people. They don't have little people feelings. They don't. They have feelings, but they have dog feelings. They don't have people feelings, okay? Ugh. David, get off the soapbox. <laughs> as I walk into households where we've got two dogs and they're both three or four dogs. Look, uh, complete honesty time. When I walk into a house with four dogs and all four dogs have behavioral problems and, and I've got two adults with three kids and they're running in 20 directions with school and activities and this and that and we have four dogs. How are we going to tackle this, guys? You can't, most people can barely fix the behavioral issues of their second dog, let alone their fourth one. When I walk into a home with four dogs, it's like, this is unwinnable. We, we're not, we're not going to get anywhere, no matter what I do or say. It doesn't matter how hard I work. This is an unwinnable situation. Stop getting too many dogs. Stop overdoing it. Like, I want to save them all too, guys. I get it. I wish, I wish I could take every dog. I do, but I can't. I can't, and neither can you, all right? Because the problem is you take that dog, guess what? There's another dog that's gonna be rescuing, and another dog, and another dog, and another dog, and another dog. So if that's the reason we're doing it, no. <laughs> Look, if you are the person who can have a great home for two multiple dogs, then cool, you know, teach his own and more power to you. I'm not telling everybody shouldn't have a second dog. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I am saying I, I see it too often where people overwhelm themselves. Uh, where people think they're doing what's in the best interest of their first dog, and in fact, they're making their issues worse. And then they got to call someone like me, you know? So wouldn't it be better to find a better home for that second dog and fix the behavioral issues of your first dog? Can't stress it enough, guys. Don't go out and get a second dog until you fix the behavioral issues of your first dog. Call our trainer, listen to some podcasts, read some books, whatever it might be. You got to do something. Do something to try to change that behavior first, because if you haven't exhausted your options changing the behavior, what are you doing? 
You're putting a stopgap. You're getting a second dog to fill a void. And that's not okay. That's not fair to either dog, quite frankly. It's not fair to anybody else in your household either. Um, all right, so look, I, I know, I know, I know. I'm kind of being a little harsh today, but that's my job, guys. My job is to be honest with you. My job is to pull off the sugar coating, pull off the cute little puppy frame and go, hey, this is behaviorally what's actually happening here. We got to deal with it. Right? So before you go out and get a second dog, guys, please deal with the behavior of your first dog. Okay? Second dog might be the answer for you. It might be what your family needs, but make sure, and if anything, when in doubt, talk to a professional first. Make sure, do your research, know what you're getting into, and know if that second dog is going to truly help your first dog or make things worse. Next on Speak a Dog Cast, it's the first pets. Today on the first pets, we'll be talking about James Monroe. Now, James Monroe, he was the fifth president of the United States, serving from 1817 to 1825. Now, Monroe dropped out of college to join the Revolutionary War as an officer, and he was injured during the war, having been shot, and spent three months making a full recovery. After the war, he studied law under Thomas Jefferson and went on to pass the bar and practice law in the state of Virginia. Now, James Monroe was known for being the last president who was also a founding father and the last president who was a Revolutionary War veteran. The interesting thing about Monroe for this segment is that he may actually have not had any pets in the White House while he was president. There's no actual pets talked about by the president himself, not in any of his uh, correspondences, but the only reference to a dog was one that belonged to his daughter, Maria. She owned a small black spaniel of some kind. This was confirmed through a letter of a family friend about their visit with the Monroe family and Maria's dog. Uh, however, this visit was in 1807. And that was actually 10 years before Monroe's presidency. So that documentation kind of leads us to believe that that dog may have not been around once they were in the White House. Now, there's no other information about the dog, the name, the sex, specific breed, nothing, uh, or any other evidence to suggest the dog was there. So you know, we really don't know. Now, there's also this reference to a random second dog, a Siberian husky named Sebastian. This one gets a name, a breed, but there's zero evidence that this dog even existed. Uh, yeah, actually, this was a third-party piece of information from years later that quoted there was a second dog there, but once again, Monroe himself never actually said it. Now, the confusion could be Monroe's need for uh, herding dogs. Yes, he actually hired the use of a bunch of herding dogs, especially on some of his farms, such as Oak Hill. So there could have been a little bit of mistaken identity, if you will. He would use a herding dog, most likely a Briard. That's a French breed. Uh, that's what we've seen in you know correspondence. But again, no actual evidence that any of these dogs ended up in the White House during his presidency. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's the listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Michaela from Atlanta, Georgia. Kayla says, my dog pulls and pulls and I have tried every kind of harness and halter you can think of. I really do not like constricting collars and I will not use one. I know you recommend the Martingale, but I have read many things on the internet that says I shouldn't use them. Do you have any other suggestions to get a dog to stop pulling on leash? Okay, uh, thanks for the question, Michaela. You know, look, I've been doing this a long time and the reason you're having an issue is because you're not using the right tool. It's that simple. Uh, look, again, just full-blown honesty, I don't know what you've been reading on the internet, but the internet's full of all kinds of information. 
Again, full honesty, if you're listening to my podcast, I'd like to think you maybe are enjoying some of what I'm saying, or at least using the information and getting results. So if you're using my information and getting results, you got to use all the information if you want all the results. You can't just pick and choose what you want to use. I'll just that's that's full blown truth. So if you don't want to use a constricting dollar or martingale, you you've already answered your question. You're not going to get anywhere. You've already exhausted your other options. You just said it. You've tried all these other collars and they're not working. And the reason they're not working is because they're not the right tool, Michaela. It's that simple. It's that simple. Um, look, a couple of years ago, I had a client. I'm not getting into the whole story, but basically they refused to use the Martingale collar and that's fine. Their dog was a maniac. Their dog was mouthing and starting to, it was going to end up being biting. The dog was a puppy, but it was old enough and big enough that this behavior was going to evolve. And I saw it going down the wrong road and they refused to use the Martingale. Okay. They refused to use a Martingale collar and they got nowhere and they got no results. And it doesn't surprise me. And look at this point now, I don't work with people. I, I, I will not train with you unless you use a Martingale collar. It's that simple. I, I, it's the tool that works, Michaela. So you can read whatever you want on the internet and, and whoever it's from and whatever internet warrior. Hi, I'm an animal behavior specialist. I've been doing this for 13 plus years. I've always used the martingale collar, almost always actually. Um, never had a problem. Ever, 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 ever had a problem with this martingale collar with myself, with another trainer, with any other, but uh, any of my clients using it. It's the best collar out there, hands down. So if Michaela, if you don't want to use the right tools, I'm sorry, but truth bomb, I can't help you. I can't help you if you don't want to use the right tools to train your dog. Um, I know this may not be what you want to hear, but you know, you're asking my advice and I think you're maybe looking for justification for your tools that you're using, but no, it, it's not going to happen. There isn't this magical magic wand fix. The, the rules that I go by are following the psychology of dogs and animals and how dogs naturally correct each other. So I can't substitute something magical for that. I can't substitute a halter that goes over their face that's not natural for them. It doesn't surprise me your dog's not responding to it. That's why I don't like those tools. So if you want the results you're looking for, you have to use a martingale collar and you got to use it properly. It's that simple, Michaela. You know, I'm sorry that may not be the answer you're looking for, but that's the answer. Next question. This comes from Don from Knoxville, Tennessee. Don says, do you have a favorite dog toy or brand of toys that you like to use? I know there are a lot of options and I was just wondering if you had something in particular that is your favorite or your go-to. Love your podcast. Thanks, Don. Uh, yeah, you know, like we talked about this a little today uh, with the puppy puppy segment as far as what toys. You know, I don't have necessarily a favorite brand. I, I would say there's a couple different brands of toys that I go through, but the one toy service that I have definitely found to be the most helpful was the BarkBox. There's a lot of different toy subscription services out there. There really are. Uh, I chose BarkBox. It's been great for me and my dogs. It allows me to customize the toys to my dog's needs, right? They'll give me uh, soft toys. They'll give me hard toys, nylon toys, all different kinds uh, to whatever suits my dog's chewing lifestyle, <laughs> uh, if you will. So look, I like Kong toys. Kongs are great. BarkBox.com is great. There, There's a lot of really good toys uh, and toy companies out there. I'll be honest, I do tend to avoid, I'll tell you what I avoid, I avoid a lot of the softer toys, I do. A lot of those really shreddable toys with a lot of the stuffing. Um, you know, I do, I get a lot of puppies in here and I don't want these puppies eating these toys. And I do have, you know, one of my guys, he's a shredder and he sometimes maybe eats, a, so I gotta be careful and I have to be cautious and aware. Um, Again, Kong is a great one and BarkBox.com, great subscription service that gives you um, a, a access to different kinds of toys that will best suit your dog. So do I have a favorite brand? Not necessarily. I like a few different brands. As far as what kind of toy, it really depends upon the dog. 
really does. It depends upon the dog. I got, I, look, if I, you know what my, one of my favorite go-to toys is that's the best toy in the world? A tennis ball. I mean, you know, it's cheap. I can, I can buy them in bulk in a big pack and get tennis balls on the cheap. And it tends to always be one of the favorite toys out of all the dogs. So there aren't a lot of these, you know, you can spend a lot of money on toys, right? Sometimes it's about finding the most basic one. But at the same time, you know, experiment. See what your dog like. That's what, when you say what's your favorite toy or toy brand, the answer is it really depends upon the dog and their chewing habits. So that's the thing is you got to get to know your dog, know what they like, and kind of base it off of that. That's that's how I come to my favorite toys and toy brands. And of course, which ones are the least destructible? That's where Kong and BarkBox definitely got a leg up on that. So I got to tip the hat to Kong and BarkBox. Uh, their toys tend to be very durable. And that's definitely something I look for uh, in my household with how many dogs we have coming in and out. So hope that helps you out, Don. Uh, but go check it out, BarkBox.com and Kong as well. The answer to today's trivia question, what is a group of frogs called? It's an army. Yes, an army of frogs, which makes perfect sense in the middle of summer when you hear thousands of them going at a time. Sounds like there's an army out there. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. And if you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday. Follow me on Instagram. And don't forget, next week we're launching our YouTube channel and our Patreon page. So come on back and check it out. Thank you guys for listening. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Walk your dog.